So what is going on? Jason Liu here, and I'm excited for you guys to dive into this really special episode with Colleen. And for the first time, actually, we ended up doing two versions of this. Um, actually, it was a follow-up interview. And as opposed to kind of splice the question into the podcast, you're going to hear the first interview in its entirety, and then there'll be an additional section at the end of it. Um where I ask follow-up questions. Um, and I thought it was really important. It'll make sense once you guys get into this episode and understand kind of the depth um, and vulnerability that Colleen gets into. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you listen to it in its entirety. And um, if you can do anything, please reach out to Colleen and thank her for being so incredibly strong and vulnerable and open in this experience. Um, she was such a treat to have on um, as an interviewee. Hope you guys have a great one. Enjoy. Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu. And each week, I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome, everyone, to another episode of the business of feeling good. I am your host, Jason Liu, and I am joined by Colleen Conlin, who I know from a small little program um, that we both did at different times, but obviously um, have similar background of friends. She is really a kettlebell specialist. Um, so she focuses really with working with women on strengthening, um, finding ways to increase the metabolism, and then most importantly, find their fierce. Um, she really is an expert in how to properly swing kettlebells, um, building people's confidences, and making sure that they have the proper technique to do it. Probably most importantly, you might have seen her in the New York Post. Um, she's been in women's health as well as Cosmo, and she's a survivor of an eating disorder. Um, but Colleen, thanks for spending the time to spend time with us today and share your story. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I'm so excited to be on. <laughs> so let's start. We're going to jump around a little bit, but I'd love to kind of bounce around um, and start with where did the kind of where did the desire to coach um, kettlebell come from? Because it's not always the first place people th think of when they start in fitness. So where did that passion come from? Yeah, it was actually a total accident. So I I was a burnt out trainer and group fitness instructor. And I really wanted to get into the management side of things. And there was a, a job opening up at a hit boutique in New York city called the sweat shed by crunch. And I went in for the interview and the interview was going awesome. And then the person interviewing me was asking me, um, what my relationship was like with kettlebells and, like, I, I didn't understand that there was like a specific world of kettlebells. I was just like, oh yeah, like that big ball with the, with like the handle. Yeah. I've seen it. I've like done a couple swings with it, bad swings apparently. Um, and he started asking me a lot of questions about them. And I just like, I totally bullshitted my way through it. I got the job and then he told me like, you really need to be programming your classes around the kettlebell. 
And I didn't really know what that meant because kettlebells just like weren't anything I was using until one of the trainers um, at Crunch who was walking past the studio told me that um, him and a bunch of the trainers who, for those of you who are unfamiliar in the kettlebell world, um, a very popular certification is, is called Strong First. All of these trainers were at least level one, if not level two, Strong First certified coaches. And this trainer comes up to me one day and is just like, you have no idea what you're doing. And we're all really concerned about what you're asking people to do in the studio because it's wrong. And I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And he ended up working with me, teaching me how to properly swing, how to properly pick up the bell. We started doing more advanced things that like were not happening in the studio. Like in the studio, all we were really doing were like kettlebell swings and goblet squats. Um, But he taught me how to clean, how to snatch and how to flow. And I started seeing this huge change in, in my body and in my confidence. Once I started learning how to do all these things correctly. And it gave me this passion to, to share it with other people because the technique is, is really very magical at, at boosting your, your confidence up as well as engaging all of the muscles in your body at the same time, because if you don't, you get hurt. But when everything is tight and tense, like big, big gains happen. That's incredible. Um, and where did it end up taking you? So obviously you started here with at the crunch center, where did that progression start for you? Did you end up going back into certifications for yourself or did you end up kind of progressing that journey on your own or where did kettlebells take you? Yeah. So after my time with crunch and to, to rewind a bit, I was already in the fitness industry for about five and a half years before I ever found crunch. Um, working for, for Lifetime and Equinox and like big box gyms in New York City. After crunch, I realized that I, I was not passionate about being in the managerial space at all. And I was so excited by kettlebells that I was like, you know what, I just want to get back to teaching and training and showing people like what it's all about. And I ended up leaving crunch and I, I took on a role at Daily Burn which for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's, um, it's a, it's a virtual, um, <laughs> workout space. Um, that's so I'm weird sure today. I've never heard of that. Right? Um, but I was doing some work with them. I was a trainer on their, on their hit app. And I was also doing some backend work, um, bringing in and, and searching for talent. And then I went back to Equinox and, um, when I went back to Equinox, what, which was really cool is I was able to teach a kettlebell class. And that class did fantastic. It was very small. It happened at like a weird off hour, like it happened on a Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon. And the thought with that is like, well, no one's in the gym. So like, um, you won't take away from, you know, other, other classes because they typically pack out, you know, like 30 to 40 people in a class and that class every week, there were at least 10 to 15 people on the wait list trying to get in right before the pandemic happened, we were supposed to add an additional class, like a beginner class, and then kind of an intermediate class that was supposed to happen for all these people who had been so consistent with me for almost a year before the pandemic hit. And, um, once that did, I ended up taking all of my kettlebell business online. And that's what I did with just Glazer's course. I, I created a, a 12 week kettlebell course called swing to snatch. 
And that's just it. Like we, we work on everything from the swing to the snatch within 12 weeks and everyone's working with heavy kettlebells, um, heavy being your, your testing size bell based off of RKC and strong first standards. So, you know, the, the lightest bell that most of my women are, are working with are, are 12 to 16 kilo bells and my gentlemen, 20 to 24 as their, amazing. their light bell. That's amazing. And who's the kind of ideal person to take this course? Because obviously some people have some background. I think it's become a lot more popular for good or for bad through CrossFit. People have at least some foundation of it, but I'm sure not the technique or the understanding that you have. So what level of fitness, if someone wants to get into your world and find out more about what you're doing, should they be at when they come to you? That's a great question. Um, In this first round, I've had people from all different backgrounds. I've had um, people who have never touched kettlebells before. I have people who were like really into hit classes. Um, I have two trainers, one of them being a tier X trainer from Equinox in the course. Um, so it, it's really different levels of fitness. There, there just needs to be a, a want and a, and a desire. And I would say a, a level of conditioning. Like if you've never worked out a day before in your life, this is this is a lot. You're going to get smacked in the face. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't go there. But, you know, if you if you are well conditioned in the sense that like hopping up and doing, you know, a, a 30 minute hit class is something that, you know, kind, kind of a piece of cake for you absolutely come on in. But I will say this people, um, people who have used kettlebells prior tend to have a harder time because it's a lot of relearning technique for the way that it needs to be. So even like bringing up CrossFit, um, I see people using kettlebells in CrossFit all the time. I don't see a lot of people in CrossFit using kettlebells correctly all the time. Correct. Absolutely. So when you have people coming through and progressing here, why, if just from a completely newbie standpoint, why kettlebells over, let's say, barbell? Why kettlebells over traditional dumbbells when people are coming in saying, I want to get more fit, but I don't understand why it should be this modality specifically? Totally. Well, I think, you know, a kettlebell is such a great thing to have because you you only really need one. In my program, I do tell people you need two kettlebells. Um, but they don't take up a whole lot of space in your house. And the reason I picked the kettlebell over the dumbbell is because so much of the work that we do is unilateral. So your core has to fight and work a lot harder than if we're doing stuff with like two dumbbells at the same time. Got it. Um, it's very rare that they're doing anything in the workouts where they're using two kettlebells. And if they are using two kettlebells, they have their light bell and they have their big bell. And again, it comes down to the core having to do a tremendous extra amount of work to offset the load. So just for my own preference, and I'm taking it off the rails here a little bit, just for my own knowledge, I've got basics right now because obviously we're in the pandemic and I'm not in a gym right now. When you're recommending light bell, heavy bell, where do you recommend and how do you recommend people kind of testing for where they should be at? Yeah, so I it's all based off of age, gender, and weight. And so I do also... Uh, so how, hang on a second. I'm really good with like the female stuff off of the top of my head, but for the male stuff, like I refer to one of my posts, which is constantly up. So let me go to it. Uh, Jason, I know you're under the age of 60 and 50. I'm I'm 30, I'm 38. I'm about 185. 
185. All right. So Jason, I would have you starting with a 24 kilo as your light bell and a 32 kilo as your big bell. Beautiful. And so if people want to go through this equation, what post, so, and by the way, how can people find you on Instagram? Like what's your handle? Yep. So my handle is I am Colleen Conlon. Beautiful. And I will connect that all here in the show notes today. Um, and if they want to go to a post, can you direct them to where they find how to figure out there? Is it on there? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's a post on there. It's literally, um, the cover is a, a gold background and it says, what size kettlebell do I need as a beginner? Oh, beautiful. Okay. And if you guys are searching here, I believe it's October 28th, 2020. Um, but yeah, great post. You guys can go through the, you guys can go through the slide reel here. Amazing. Phenomenal. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit. We can always come back to kettlebells. Every time I talk to different trainers or people that are in this place where they're serving a community, um, there's a reason for it. Like at some point in time, health wasn't always maybe the easiest thing to come by for that individual. I just got done speaking to a chiropractor that said that the reason why he ended up going into the space is because when he got in an accident, obviously the biggest difference for him was um, chiropractic work. So do you mind if I ask kind of taking us back earlier in the beginning, like what got you down this journey of health? So, so when I was 17, I was taken to the hospital but before, before you know about me being taken to the hospital, what you, what you need to know is that when I was in middle school, I was really confident until my best friend after school one day said, Colleen, everyone would like you a lot better if you were skinnier. And then she proceeded to take me into my bathroom to teach me how to make myself throw up with a toothbrush. Oh my, God. my confidence was shot. And after that, I started waking up at four in the morning to get on the treadmill or the elliptical and burn anywhere between one to 2000 calories, according to the equation on the machine, uh, before school. And that would get paired with like a bunch of crunches. And that was like, that was life until I was 17. And then I woke up one day and I was taken to the hospital and my appendix um, needed to be taken out, but they also found an abnormally large ovarian cyst. So they take that out. And then two weeks later, I'm taken back into the hospital because there's an abscess. And then two weeks later, the cyst comes back and they end up removing my left ovary and fallopian tube. And it takes me close to three months before I can walk on my own again. And what's important to keep in mind is like the only thing I, I felt like I ever had any control over was working out. And at this point, like I can barely walk. Um, because of all these surgeries that I had, I didn't have any, I still actually, I can, so, you know, when you go to the dentist and they numb you up and then yeah. afterwards, like if you scratch your face, you can feel that something's happening, but you just like, don't have the full sensation. Yep. So that's what it feels like when I touched my lower abdominals. And for the longest time, like I couldn't get my transverse, um, abdominals to fire whatsoever. Wow. And what was really frustrating was that I couldn't do all of my crunches because I couldn't feel my abs. And instead I felt everything in my back and I felt everything in my neck. Wow. 
once I found kettlebells, I started to get the sensation in my abdominals back and I was able to see definition in my core that I, I, I hadn't been able to for almost not a decade. Cause I'm trying to like do the math right now. I was 17. I'm 28 now, but for, for close to like four, not four, close to like five years. Um, but in, in finding the kettlebells and being able to do these skills and being able to see a, a, a change in my body, I was able to finally get my confidence back mm. that I lost after my friend told me everyone would like you better if you're skinnier. Wow. So in finding my confidence, I, I finally realized like, it's not about being skinny for me. It's about being strong and being able to, to do technical things and to, to feel like a badass. I appreciate you sharing the story. I've had um, women that I've worked with um, both in health and fitness, as well as entrepreneurship that have battled um, eating disorders. And one of the interesting things, cause I've got a daughter that's eight is asking about it's a process and I'm sure a, um, a journey, but how does one begin to separate? How does one begin to separate the, 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 the self-worth, like the building of confidence inside themselves. Um, because the, the act can be so similar. Like, it's just like, like when, and I've never experienced it, but when I've coached women, um, that have experienced it, they talk a lot about like, you know, like the act was the same. Like I just wanted to lose weight and I was just running all the time and now they're back at running, but it feels like the intention is different. The intention is confidence. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but like, how is that road to recovery of just reclaiming the intention behind working out? Because from the outside looking in at times it can look like the similar pattern. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I, I think it's all about mindset and it's, I don't feel like there's an answer. That's like a, a one size fits all with this. I think the people I think your support system have like a really big role in this. Um, like being, being in the relationship I am right now with, with my husband, um, who's also very health conscious, but not like crazy focused on a number or like my size is really helpful. Like growing up, for example, um, my mom was also in fitness and my mom had like diet bars all over the place. My mom weighed herself every single day and just like growing up in that environment, it like, there was just such a heavy emphasis that like, you needed to be skinny. You needed to lose weight. Like, that's just like what you need to do. Um, versus like the environment I'm in now, it's like, we're taking care of ourselves. We're fueling our body with good foods that are going to make us, uh, perform our best. It's not a matter of being a certain size. It's a matter of being able to live the life we want in a, in a healthy fashion. I mean, there would be times where like, I'd be so focused on like, well, what food's going to be there, um, at an event that I just wouldn't go. Wow. How does that relationship change with food now? And, and what, how do you define, and I think you've already described this, but it might be redundant, but how do you describe what health is to you now versus what it was before? Cause before, from my understanding, it sounded more like a number a weight, um, something you had to be at. And now it sounds more like a very holistic approach to how you feel. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's such a great question because if you had asked me the same question, like six weeks ago, I think I'd give you a different answer wow. just based on the conversation we had prior to this recording. Um, six weeks ago, I would have said it's, it's about being strong and being able to like do challenging, like physical, like physically hard things. Um, for those of you who are listening and I've been dealing with a lot of issues with my pelvic floor and I've been going through some intense treatment over the past six weeks for it. And it's actually put me, um, put me at a stop with all of my kettlebell training. I haven't been allowed to train really for, for the past six weeks. And I would say at this point being, being, being strong is, it's not just a physical thing. It's really a a mental thing. And um, I think your question was more so actually, can you ask your question one more time? No, it's beautiful. No, no, no. Where you're going is, is perfect. Like it was just more, how do you define what, like before it seemed like it was like, it had to be a certain number. And it seems like more now that health is more of a holistic approach. Like it's based on how you feel and kind of how do you either, how did you find this new definition of health? How did you kind of change? Because I know that there are men and women that struggle with like, they're tied to a number. And so often it's like this, this coming into your own and going through these challenges to find that it's really about like finding this alignment, finding what feels right for you, finding this like inner strength. I think so much of it is just like how you feel and the life you want to live. Like if there's things that you want to do, but there's things in your way, there's obstacles in your way that aren't allowing you to do that. Like that doesn't sound very strong or healthy to me. Like if you're not going to go for a hike because of your weight or because you, maybe that's a bad example. If you're not going to go on a trip to like Paris because you're afraid that you're going to overindulge in the cheese and the wine and and you're not going to be able to get in all of your workouts. Like that's not healthy. Right. Like you need to, you need to experience life. And if there's things getting in your way, stopping you from, you know, enjoying the journey, then what, like, what does it, what does it matter? Like how you look, how you perform with X amount of weights. I think what's, especially um, being in 2020, I've been so tied to, to being able to lift X amount of weight and do X amount of weight with certain skills. And what I'm learning is just like, I I just want to go out and experience the world. And if that means, you know, not being able to train for a week and that messes up my programming, like that's okay. Cause at the end of the day, like I'd rather experience life than just like PR something. And that's, that's it. It's amazing. That's really amazing to to witness in the small amount of time we've we've connected and chatted just the journey and the milestones and how how i guess how well you've got a great head on your shoulders in terms of how you're looking at life how you're looking at fitness and i think it's such a great example for so many people let's um i'd love to kind of talk about what 2020 has taught us a little bit here because i feel like it's been a year of so many different it's been perfect in so many ways and challenging in so many others um you invested into an incredible program where you and I met in Empower when a lot of people weren't investing. And it, I believe it takes a certain type of person to say, hey, look, while everyone is trying to pull back 
stop spending, being uncertain what's happening. You were someone that said, no, I'm investing, I'm learning, I'm moving, I'm pivoting. Um, tell me about that a little bit. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Jason, I, <laughs> I remember I told my dad that I was going to, um, invest in, in this program. I was like, dad, I'm spending $5,000 on a business coaching program. And he was like, you're crazy. Go get your money back. That was like the worst decision you have made. And after I finished like my clothes out of my program, I was like, Hey dad, you know what? And he was like, what? And I was like, I made $24,000 this week. <laughs> and he started laughing. He was like, you're kidding. And I was like, no. And he was like, how'd you do it? And I was like, that $5,000 I spent on the business coach. And it was, it was like one of the best feelings. So not to be like, look, not to like point the finger at my dad, but it's just like, you know, I, I think for so many people, your parents' opinion, it matters. And if they support you or if they don't support you, it can kind of sway you. And, you know, it wasn't even just my dad who was like, bad, this is a bad choice. I remember there were, there was actually a couple um, of, of my fitness peers who were just like, why are you going to pay for this program? Like, like, just go get the information on your own. Like you're, you're fine. But for me, like I needed somebody to literally spoon feed it to me. Um, in a very non-handholding way, because Jess does not hold our hands. Um, but the way she was able to deliver all of the ma- information was really um, wonderful for me to be able to um, to take and then implement. And I, I that was the the best investment I have ever made. And I think 2020 as challenging as it's been, this is going to be a year that I never forget. And I think is going to be one of the most positive years of, of my life. I can agree more. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned all those areas because, you know, parents influence, what are your friends saying and thinking it so often dictates what happens. And so often when we have the courage to kind of check in with like, no, I really do want help. I want to learn this process. I want to get better. And we lean into that and we have the bravery to do that. There's incredible things that happen on the other side. So it's a testament to you. Um, obviously, it's a testament to Jess and her program. Um, but it's an incredible process. Um, and it's insane. You have this You have this business. And you're about to go do it all over again, right? You're about to relaunch again here in January? Yes. And my students did so amazing the first round. Like I, Yeah, I, tell me about your students. How was... So oh tell, me about, tell me about the course. Um, so literally, day day one, their workout is day one, their workout, they're doing like body weight wall squats, planks, and they're learning how to properly deadlift their light kettlebell. Right now they're on week 10 and they're deadlifting both of their bells at the same time. They're single arm swinging their big bell and they're starting to learn how to snatch their light bell. And it's just insane. Cause I was talking to my husband about this the other day. I was like, the first week, like I was, I was, I was nervous and I was overwhelmed because I was just like, how, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? But we did. Um, the program that I used for them is what I've used on several one-on-one clients up until this point. And it works. (laughs) It works. And the, Oh my gosh, the community in the Facebook group of having each other support one another is just unlike anything else. I actually had some people um, 
So when I get people ready to go into the program, as you're probably familiar with Jason, we do a sales call and it's not really because I'm trying to like sell them on anything. Um, how I feel with my program. It's like either you want to learn how to use kettlebells for X amount of money or, or you don't. Um, but I would bring up like this Facebook group. And I remember one person in particular was like, Oh, I don't care about the Facebook group. Like I'm not in this to make friends. I just like want to learn this stuff and like do my own thing. And I was just like, okay. Then meanwhile, the other day, like woman PRs her, her press and I like shout her out in the Facebook group and everybody's like saying, congratulations. This is amazing. I'm so happy for you. And she's just like, thanks guys. I love you so much. Like, it's so great to be a part of a team. And it's just like, I, I, I think to an extent, you know, especially, I don't know where you're located, Jason. Where are you? I'm near San Francisco. I'm in California. Okay. Okay. So up until this point for me be, so I live in New Jersey, but I've been working in New York city up until pandemic. And I feel like so many people are just so closed off and they just want to do their own thing. And I think people really need community. And once they start to find it, they realize how special and important it it really is. I think what was really interesting just to add on that point here was like being an empower. I came in maybe not with as harsh of an attitude as the first time I was like, I don't need community at all. But I definitely came in with the attitude of like, I want to just, I want to learn. I want to learn from Jess. I want to mentor. That's what I want. And I think the most surprising part was how influential the community was. Not just from a pick you up when you are down, but for the first time you have peers that are going through a similar experience. And also they see you in a little bit of a different light. And I don't know how else to describe it, but when you're making pivots and you're making moves, a lot of times you don't, you have blind spots to your own gifts. You have blind spots to um, how you're progressing and how you're moving. And so I think what's really beautiful about, and I have this in my own course as well, is that people are able to kind of see themselves in a new way. It's a new mirror for them. And that's so, I think, so important when it comes to self-confidence, self-worth, and taking steps in the right direction. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, so talk to me here. I know that we're we're talking about course here. I know that you have um, this coming up at the beginning of the year. If people just want to get a taste of your world here, how do you recommend them just kind of getting a feel? Like if they're thinking kettlebell, if they're thinking fitness, because everyone's, let's be honest, we're all thinking fitness here during the holidays and with our turkey eating and our holiday eating, um, what's, um, what's the best way kind of to A, find you and then get a taste of your work? Yeah. So a great thing to do is definitely check me out on Instagram. You already have my handle. I am Colleen Conlon. I do a lot of tutorials there, breaking exercises down. And the way that I break exercises down, if you uh, go into my IGTV series, Talk Nerdy to Me, um, that's kind of how my program is laid out as you're learning certain exercises in a site called Kajabi, which is where I, I, I have my website hosted. Um, Other than that, like right now, the only way to get started, because I'm in the middle of a foundations course, which is kind of what people would take if they just want a taste. Um, Right now, like we're already in the middle of that. That's not going to happen until like possibly March of 2021. I'm already at capacity with one-on-one training. I do classes, but my classes are geared towards advanced students. Like we're snatching and doing ballistics in that class. Um, The only way to get started is with Swing to Snatch starting 
January 4th. But other than that, you can definitely check out my freemium. And the link will be below, I believe. Right, Jason? Yep, it'll be there. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's me breaking down the kettlebell swing. So if you want to get a, a taste and a style for how I am as a coach, that's a great way of seeing if we possibly mesh. I love it. Colleen, you're incredible. And I what I think what I appreciate the most about you is how open and vulnerable you are with the challenges, the hiccups that we all experience, but at the same time, um, being such a great example of what it looks like to be strong and to be powerful and to love yourself from the inside out. So I can't thank you enough for being on here today, sharing your journey, sharing your story. And I would highly recommend if you guys are listening here today, make sure you follow Colleen, um, check out our Instagram, follow him to her world somehow. She's an incredible trainer. Um, and if you do her course, you will not be, um, you will not regret it. It's an incredible investment into yourself, into your future and into your health. So Colleen, thanks for so much for taking the time today to spend and have a conversation with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You're welcome. So there's no easy transition, but this is the second half of our interview where I actually went back and wanted to ask Colleen about kind of what advice would she give to a younger version of herself? Or what if there's someone that we know in our personal lives that is battling an eating disorder right now, what advice would you have? And so that's the second half of this interview. It's a short section, um, maybe 10, 13 minutes at most here, um, but hopefully it gives some insights. And Colleen was kind enough again to come back on and answer some more questions. Enjoy. Colleen, if you could go back and talk to that younger version at 12, at 13, and give her some advice, give her a hug, what would you tell her? You know, I was actually having this conversation with with my husband today. It, ca- it came up, and the first thing that came to my mind was just like, it's not you, it's her, like it's her problem. Like, But then in, in talking more about that, it ca- I... I came to the realization that that's, that's not the answer. And I don't think that's an answer that if current me told younger me, I would have accepted. Um, and my husband actually asked me um, to ask myself, what was the truth? Like, would people have actually liked you if you were skinnier? Did people already like you? And the answer is, yeah, people liked me. In my opinion, like I remember coming into this school, it was the sixth grade I was in and I had a really easy time making friends and I was brand new to the area and all these other kids came in from theater schools and I, it it was fine to make friends. So I don't think it had anything to do with people not liking me. So that was a lie that she, um, put into my head and then when I really did start losing a lot of weight, I definitely don't think people liked me more. I became like super um, secretive and super reclusive and getting skinnier definitely didn't make, make people like me more. I think people were kind of just like, what is going on with her? Um, And I think, I think what really hurt when my friend, Anna, Anna Toupee, if you're listening, cause th- this will be interesting, um, to continue the story, but, um, 
I had had like my my dad had made comments about my food choices growing up, like I was eating too much. I had a dance teacher who made comments about me sounding like an elephant when I was like doing leaps across the floor. And I don't think anything was necessarily malicious. It's just the way people pointed things out to me. Like I I was not healthy by any means. Um, I was eating like McDonald's most nights during the week. Like I did have issues with like boundaries with food. My mom and dad never really set them. Um, so I think when Anna made this comment, it was kind of just like, oh gosh, well, dad's making comments, the dance teacher's making comments, and now Anna's making comments. Like, it must be true. But when I think like, is this true? Will people actually like you better if you're skinnier? There was There was no truth in that. I think... I think Anna had her own things that she was going through and and there were just all of these lies and there were all of these things that people were were trying to my dad wanted me to eat better. My dance teacher saw that like my weight was affecting my performance. It's just the way everything came out and hearing it from a family member, a a teacher, and then from a friend, it just made me feel like, I guess I really do need to become thinner, but that wasn't it. Um, It's that I needed to become healthier. And I think there's a big uh, misunderstanding between being skinny and being healthy. Mm. Um if that answers your question, I know that's like kind of long winded, but if I, if I could go back to younger me, I would ask, I would ask her, Colleen, what is the truth here? What is the truth? Does that answer your question? It does. It absolutely does. I think what's powerful about it is that you have this awareness now. And I like how that you separate it between skinny versus healthy. Um, How would you explain that? Maybe not just to yourself, but if you, if there was woman, girl, boy, that was at that age at 12 in this experience where they don't know the difference between what is healthy and what is skinny and that they just see what's on the outside and they get the feedback and make the association, what would you tell them? If you could pull them aside and be like, Hey, like, this is how I want you to think about it. What would you say to them? I would tell them, I would tell them, do not go to the media for answers, go to experts on what it is you want. Like for me, I wanted like six pack abs and to like be a size zero and starving myself and, and whatnot. I eventually became the size zero, but like I, I didn't want to wear the clothes because I started feeling like so terrible about myself. Um, And I was like, I was constantly tired and I was constantly like not able to um, interact with people because I was so scared about what was going to, what was going to happen with food if I went to an activity and it just became like the most stressful thing. 
Meanwhile, once I started using kettlebells, um, my weight started going down. Once I started talking to a nutrition coach and I was eating enough of the right foods and I was eating protein and I was eating vegetables instead of like hundred calorie snacks, um, instead of like Nutella and Cheez-Its that were like, oh, it's a thousand calories. Like it's, it's fine. Um, my, I eventually got my abs. I can't say that I'm a size zero. Um, cause I, I gained like a nice juicy, butt. <laughs> but, um, at this point I don't, I don't define my worth based on how big I am. I don't define it by what the number on the scale is. It's actually interesting. I, I feel like my body at this point, I'm, I'm the most confident with the way it looks and it's the biggest number I've ever seen on the scale. And that was like a really hard thing for me to mentally conceptualize because I thought big is bad. Big's not bad. Um, the same way, like small, isn't necessarily bad. It's when I found kettlebells and I found what it felt like to be strong, my world got rocked. I no longer cared. I no longer cared about the scale or the size of my clothes. I just cared like, can I lift this weight or not? Which was so weird because I did not grow up around weight training. I grew up predominantly dancing. Um, I had no interest in weights until um, I accidentally like kind of had to learn how to use them uh, with the, with the job with the kettlebells. And I just think it's really important for anybody who's going through any type of eating disorder or body dysmorphia. It's really important to talk to an expert. It's really important to get help. Um, but at the same time, you really need to do it on your own terms. And I think for anybody who's listening, who, who might know somebody who's going through this, I was petrified of my parents finding out because I thought they were going to send me away. And I, I was afraid of being sent away. And honestly, I probably would have become a lot happier and understood food and exercise if I was sent away to a place. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't know because um, I wasn't sent away. But for me, once I found the nutrition coach, once I found, once I tried everything and saw nothing was working until I finally gave in and just like found the kettlebells, that's when it clicked. I think as, as rough as it is to just have to go through the experience until you're ready to like try something else for some people, that's what it is. I'm the most stubborn person. Like I had to learn the hard way. Um, but for those of you who are listening, trust me, thousand calorie diets, being on crazy caloric deficits, running for miles, running to just burn calories, just like it's, that's not how, that's not how you get a body that's going to be able to take care of you. Um, that's how you get really tired and really burnt out and sick. And definitely during 2020, I think something we've all learned is like, we want to be healthy. We don't want to be sick. 
And, you know, if you're, if you're the person who is specifically choosing to try and get skinny and get skinny quick, um, you need to talk to a nutrition coach. You need to work with a trainer and learn how to do things in a very healthy and sustainable way. So that's, that's my best advice. I mean, if my parents hired like a trainer and a nutrition coach for me, like that would have been the greatest thing in the world, but I I didn't have anything like that. And I don't necessarily know that parents want to invest that kind of money for, for their child. Um, but I think having, having the expert is really helpful. Um, and to add to that, I don't even know if this is a good thing to throw in or not, Jason, but I mean, I've been the trainer in the magazines giving advice. Um, like I, I grew up reading Cosmopolitan and Shape and like Women's Health and all these magazines thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to do what they're saying. And being the trainer on the other end, giving the advice, the editors don't necessarily um, share the advice of the fitness expert because it might not sell to the masses. It might not be sexy. It might not be feminine. So don't look to the media. Find an expert, somebody who knows what they're talking about, somebody who has worked with other people who are similar to you, regardless of, you know, if you're a teenager or an adult or somebody that's elderly. I think it's just really important to find these people who are specialized in certain areas to help you achieve what it is you want to achieve in a healthy way. It's beautiful. I think what's great is this, this, um, this ability to be open enough for, for help to reach out when you need it. And what's beautiful too, is I think how you defined what fitness was after you found kettlebells, that it wasn't no longer a number. It was no longer how you looked. It was like, I want to pick up this damn heavy thing and I'm going to do it. Um, and that's epic. Everything flipped. The new definition changed. The new belief system was set. And it's a testament to who you are. And I'm just grateful that you're so open and honest about this journey. I know this conversation is going to help somebody um, that's in a place where they need to hear this conversation. So thank you for being strong and vulnerable and open about your journey. It, it's everything. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.